Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, welcome back. Today's probably the most excited I've been for a video yet. Got up at 3 a.m. to start this one a little bit earlier than I usually do an hour or so earlier because I'm very excited about the value wide receivers this year. And yes, when I title this must draft value wide receivers, you can get these guys because they're falling probably two, maybe even three rounds later than they should for the upside and the potential that they have to become breakout top 25 wide receivers this year with even more upside in some of their offenses if everything goes right. But they're being drafted as like wide receiver 40s, wide receiver 45s right now. So these guys are going to be huge, huge upsides for all of you watching this. And before we get really into anything, happy National Decency Day. And there's a good chance you're not watching this on this national day when this video was released on May 14th. But don't worry about it. This this video, this channel, you don't got to worry about being decent. Like always, take your shoes off, relax, pop them up, get a beer, get a water, whatever your beverage of choice is, because we're going to go through these must draft value receivers today. And before we do, if you can smash that subscribe button that comes up on the screen, if you've seen a single one of my videos before and you're coming back because you enjoyed that video, please do hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Make sure you have both those things done. And if you want to help me out a little bit more, hit that like button. All those things really do help me reach more people. So it allows me to put this work in, get up this early and do this stuff. Question of the day today. Would you rather have the man on the screen behind me, Deontay Johnson in PPR formats, redraft, fantasy football 2020, or would you rather have Marvin Jones, Detroit Lions receiver? Let me know right now down below. And also be sure to check out the free rookie rankings that are down below and also get in the discord. All that stuff is free. Without further ado, let's get into it. This is a time right now dedicated to you. Enjoy yourself, kick back, relax, and let's start it off with one Deontay Johnson. You can currently get Deontay Johnson with the 10th pick 10.05 pick in your 12 team draft so midway through the 10th round that's an absolute steal for me I'm fine taking him around or even two rounds earlier in 2019 his rookie season he ended up producing through 12 games 67% of the snaps 59 receptions, 680 yards, and five touchdowns on 92 targets. He saw an 18.9% target share. He went to Toledo in college. In his final year there, he had a nice season. 49 receptions, over 750 yards, 21% target share, eight touchdowns. But one thing that's really, really great to see when you're a rookie coming into the league, and you can look at this for some of the rookie wide receivers this year and a few running backs, is it, did they have a special teams role and were they successful? Deontay Johnson was very successful on special teams at Toledo. He had 653 yards in special teams and two special teams touchdowns. So this is an indicator of usually success once you come up to the NFL. So we got to see somewhat of a breakout from him last year in the offensive department, but he also was fine on special teams. He had a return touchdown. He was a great special teams player and a returner for the Steelers. So all these signs point to a huge, huge breakout year with a potentially stable quarterback situation, finally, for Deontay Johnson. Friend of the program, Adam Pfeiffer, I'll put his tweet up right now, actually ended up finding up this stat. Deontay Johnson was second in broken tackles last year amongst all wide receivers. As a rookie, that is insanely hard to do. And he was the number one player in target separation. That is unreal. So he was separating on his own. He was he was producing at that point on his own, getting open. That's why he was able to sustain a successful second half of the season, even though he had Duck Hodges throwing him the ball. And then he was breaking tackles after. There's no better combination than getting yourself open through separation. And then after the catch, being able to pick up more for fantasy purposes and real life. Deontay Johnson got his first start in week three. He actually showed some promise in the preseason, probably why he ended up getting the nod over some other guys. But he was a monster from week three to week 10 last year. You can see the tweet right now from Scott Barrett. He was the best receiver on this team. And while being the best receiver on this team ahead of Juju, Juju dealing with some nagging injuries during that time, but he also did it against top 20 cornerbacks at a higher rate than Juju by a decent amount, third most in the league over those three to 10 week span compared to Juju's being 10th most in the league. And the key number to really zoom in on here is the wide receiver rating. That's when the quarterback was targeting him, how effective it was. And you can see that's where the big difference is between Juju and Deontay Johnson. And when you're getting just insane separation like Deontay Johnson was, it's not a surprise to see that your quarterback's rating when targeting you was much easier and much higher because it was just easier to get the ball to you. Now in the offseason, the Steelers 
of course, did some things. They brought in Derek Watt, a fullback for really the run blocking scheme. They brought in Steven Wiskinski, a guard. But then the main thing was just getting Eric Ebron for the middle of the field because Vance McDonald, one, cannot stay healthy and two, was not productive last season. Nothing major happened in terms of subtractions. Honestly, free agency in general outside of Eric Ebron was kind of quiet. But the NFL draft did prove something that Chase Claypool was the first overall pick for the Steelers. Their first pick came in the second round on offense, who's a wide receiver slash tight end hybrid, really only played wide receiver during his time in college, but they said he might be a tight end body. The Steelers have already come out and said that they want to use him on the outside, which if that's the case, your outside receivers are going to be likely Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju in the slot, and then James Washington rotating in with all those guys. So the fact that they did get Chase Claypool, he's a rookie, right? He or he has not yet shown his ability in the NFL like Deontay Johnson has. So I'm not too concerned about that. But if it wasn't a wide receiver taken in the second round that early, then I would be a lot more confident in saying that Deontay Johnson is just going to start right off the bat and never come off the field. I do believe he's going to continue to start, but you have James Washington, who's been productive. You have now Chase Claypool, a a high invested capital pick in this draft. There's going to be some sort of rotation. I don't think it hits Deontay Johnson as much as it hits James Washington, but it's at least worth mentioning. Deontay Johnson missed zero games last year's target competition mainly is going to stem from these three wide receivers in Juju, Chase Claypool, the rookie, and James Washington. Also, Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald combining in the middle of the field and likely more so the red zone. Juju last year missed some games. He saw 79% of the snaps, caught 42 balls and 72 targets, actually saw a smaller target share than Deontay Johnson. Juju at 18.3%, Deontay Johnson edging him out at 18.9%. Juju, however, did have the edge in the red zone with a 21% share. James Washington was on the field earlier in the season with his former college quarterback, Mason Rudolph, saw 68.6% of the snaps, a 16.9% target share. Washington was actually very good downfield for the Steelers. In college, Chase Claypool in his final year had 66 receptions, went over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, 28.6% target share. He has a tight end build. He was an absolute beast last year in college. You can look at this profile right now, just insane. And then Eric Ebron regressed in a major way last year, ended up going from his 14 touchdown season to barely having a few touchdowns, ended up just quitting on the team. It hurts when you go from Andrew Luck with your expectations uh, to and then going to Jacoby Brissett with the Colts. But yeah, he literally quit on the team. I don't know if, if you remember that, but towards the end of the year, he quit on the team. Now he signs with the Steelers. We'll see if he makes it all the way through this one. Reminded me a lot of Martellus Bennett, just like quitting on the Packers a few years back. Deontay Johnson is set up for a prime breakout year. His rookie year was fantastic. And now he's going to get some decent quarterback play and likely just increase his passing volume because they had to run the ball a ton last year, whether it was with their quarterbacks like Duck Hodges or just with a, an array of two to three running backs, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, James Conner, because they just had no options downfield. Their quarterbacks were not accurate. The quarterbacks were not efficient. So I'm not too sure what Big Ben's going to look like this year, but I feel confident that he'll be better than Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph and how they performed last year. And I'll leave you with Kyle Yates' tweet. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleYNFL, pretty much saying that Deontay Johnson is an absolute steal. I agree with that. If you got Deontay Johnson as your wide receiver three, I'd feel good about that. You're going to be able to pick up Deontay Johnson in drafts in the 10th round as of right now, even in the 11th round and some, he might slide even further than that at your wide receiver four or wide receiver five. And in my opinion, he has a ton of upside. Think about Antonio Brown on the Steelers team. In his second year, he broke out. Emmanuel Sanders took two to three years to break out. You're now getting into Deontay Johnson's second year. After year one was already a success as a rookie, I think there's huge, huge things to come for Deontay Johnson. Remember, he's an outside receiver. Juju was very good his rookie year in the slot, and I think that's a nice spot to be at, but downfield upside is going to be there for Deontay Johnson. So I already told you I was excited about this, and then this tweet pops up yesterday on my phone from World of World that Anthony Miller is excited for his best year yet. And of course, this is the time of the season and late into the summer. Everybody's in the best shape of their lives. Everybody's most excited for everything. We talked about Odell in the past uh, couple of shows, how he's most excited. Check out those videos, my wide receiver rankings, my must draft wide receivers. But seeing this one, I was already excited. And then I get told that one of the guys that I'm prepping the video for is excited. And now we're all really excited. You can currently get Anthony Miller in the 13th round. Like, this is a joke. The, 
the middle to end of the 13th round pick 13.07 on average in 12 team leagues that's that's definitely has to go up it just has to so if you're drafting right now be sure to take advantage of this but it's not going to go up enough he played in all 16 games last year although he battled once again with the shoulder injury that's been nagging him for the last two years pretty much but he did play through all 16 games he played on 66.5 percent of the snaps he ended up having 52 receptions 656 yards in two touchdowns 85 targets overall it was 15 percent of the target share but here's a couple things to really look at the second half of the season and then we'll pinpoint an exact span of games that really popped off for Anthony Miller and showed his upside. In the final eight games in general, so the second half of the season, he ended up producing 67.8% of his yards and 69.2% of his receptions. It ended up being 36 receptions, 53 targets, a touchdown on 445 yards. So he ended up putting two thirds of his production into the second half of the year, showing you that he started to come along a little bit. He was getting over the shoulder injury from last year, as well as the year before that. But I really want to pinpoint down on weeks 11 through 15, and I'll actually put all the game logs up on the board because our our friend Ian Harditz over at Roto World was nice enough to tweet these out as it was happening towards the end of the season last year in December. But you can see right here, Miller throughout those weeks was an absolute baller. This is what it all amounted out to. He produced 33 receptions, 431 yards in two touchdowns. He had a 68.8% catch rate. He led the Bears team in catch rate yards. He was second, basically a virtual tie with Allen Robinson with a 13.1 yards per reception number. Only Allen Robinson saw more targets than him and it was only four more, so less than one per game more. He had three less receptions in 26 less yards Allen Robinson did. So Miller literally led this team throughout those five weeks. He was pretty much a borderline wide receiver one for them because he led the team in yards. He led the team in receptions. He was up there in targets. And he also saw the exact same amount of red zone targets, 13 as Allen Robinson did. And his overall red zone share, where Allen Robinson is one of the best in the league last year, top 10 receiver in red zone share, those specific weeks, Anthony Miller was the number one player on the team, 27.1%. And you can see Ryan McDowell, follow him on Twitter as well. You can see he sums it up pretty perfectly here. The first 10 weeks for Anthony Miller, not so great. And a lot of that has to honestly do with Mitch Trubisky dealing with the shoulder injury. And then those weeks that we just talked about, 11 through 15, wide receiver eight, absolute baller. He ends up just tweaking his shoulder a little bit more. The final two games, he regresses somewhat, but those weeks, 11 through 15 showed us that Anthony Miller is not a wide receiver 50 or late forties where he's currently going right now in drafts. He has upside to be a top 30 wide receiver without question, in my opinion, if this offense clicks. And at the very least, he's worth a pick uh, in the 13th round of your drafts. Reach for him around earlier if you have to. And there's also things that happened in the offseason that really helped Anthony Miller. He was one of the biggest winners in the offseason, very quietly. Look, Nick Foles, they get that's going to push Mitch Trubisky, if not be the starter on this team. I do like that. Taylor Gabriel gets cut. He's still a free agent. Taylor Gabriel is probably one of the best free agent wide receivers out there on the market right now. It's not saying much, but that helps Anthony Miller. Taylor Gabriel was taking slot snaps and mainly outside snaps away from Miller last year. And then likely the biggest thing that happened was the Bears in the draft, absolute just donkeys. They end up drafting Cole Komet. They already have 10 tight ends in the roster, literally nine at that point. Now they end up drafting Cole Komet. So they get their 10th tight end in the roster after already signing Jimmy Graham, after signing Demetrius Harris, the former chief and Brown. So now you have Cole Komet. They don't draft a wide receiver till round five where Darnell Mooney is. And Anthony Miller is a former second round pick. He's definitely not in any threat now for competition at the wide receiver two job opposite Allen Robinson. So very sneaky offseason. Taylor Gabriel gets cut. The Bears don't draft a high upside capital pick at wide receiver and a potential quarterback upgrade with Nick Foles from Mitch Trubisky. The durability of Anthony Miller, he really has played through a shoulder injury for like the better part of the last two years, but he only missed one game two years ago because of it. So he's been able to play through it, but he has had two surgeries during that time. One to repair the shoulder and then a second one to, to re-repair that exact same shoulder. It was like a reconstructive or just kind of went back in and cleaned some things up. The target competition is mainly going to stem from Allen Robinson, who saw just a ridiculous amount of targets last year, 153 targets, 30% of the red zone share and 27% of the overall share, seven touchdowns for Allen Robinson on 97% of the snaps. But then after that, there's not much like Jimmy Graham is going to come in from the Packers. He wasn't great last year, just playing 55% of the snaps for them. He only saw 11.5% of the target share. Tariq Cohen ended up catching a ton of balls. 79 as a running back was top five and really every single running back category. 
16.6% of the target share. And then not much else. Like there's no Taylor Gabriel, like we said, maybe rookie Cole Komet pushes a little bit at some point, but I'm not expecting anything. They side 10 get junior. They have Cordell Patterson. These are not names that are going to threat Anthony Miller. So very excited. He's the clear number two receiver by a wide margin on this team. So I'll leave you with this tweet once again, because I'm excited about Anthony Miller. I hope you're getting excited about Anthony Miller. The value that he possesses midway through the 13th round is unreal. There is no threats for him. Potential quarterback upgrade, bunch of weapons gone now in this offense. And the drop off from him to the next wide receiver is a huge one. So lots of upside uh, for Anthony Miller in this Bears offense in 2020. Real quick, before we get into the next player, big old subscribe button, two seconds of your time, bottom right-hand corner, smash that subscribe button, tap the notification bell, hit the like button, do all those things for me, helps more people find me, really helps me create this content. So thank you so much. Let's get back into this. Another hidden gem in fantasy football drafts for 2020, right next to Anthony Miller. Maybe I even like him more. I believe I have them ranked right next to each other at my wide receiver rankings and overall rankings. It's so tough for me to decide which one I want when I actually have that pick because you can get these guys in the 11th or 12th round, just reach for them around earlier. I like both of them. And a lot of the time you can end up with both of them. And I think there's high upside in doing that. So Preston Williams of the Miami Dolphins. You can currently get Preston Williams with a 1304. So the fourth pick in the 13th round in your 12 team draft. He only played in eight games last year because then unfortunately after week nine and game eight, he tore his ACL. He played on 84.6% of the snaps. He had 32 receptions on 60 targets, a 21.4% target share and 37% share of the red zone targets. This man was an absolute beast. He literally had 24 red zone targets in his eight games. He had 11 more than the next closest Devante Parker. The tweet that I have up right now that I put out, follow me on Twitter at DFS a few days ago. That was second in the league during that span, only behind Devante Adams. 37% red zone share. More than a third of the time they were throwing to him in the red zone is unreal. Now I should point out, and a lot of people probably will overlook this, Josh Rosen had a lot of reps with Preston Williams in the preseason, and then they went into the main season, regular season, yes, last year together, because Rosen started for a little while, and they had a lot of success together. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually seemed to favor Devontae Parker more so when they were both playing, but Preston Williams still found success with either quarterback. Now Miami did throw 42.1 times per game last year. At some point, you would imagine that two is going to take the field. Oh, Sally they said he's not going to play. Oh, Sally they said Justin Herbert's not going to play. They say that every single year for every single quarterback. Baker Mayfield was not supposed to play his first season. And you get a, you get a fluke concussion from Tyrod Taylor and he's in the game. Every single quarterback is not supposed to play. And then they end up playing three weeks in because t- uh, owners and, and GMs and coaches want to try and keep their job, put fans in the stands. No, although this year, maybe not going to happen, put fans on the TV stands uh, and, and go from there. So I believe you're going to see Tua this year, which it might take like a week or two of production away from all these wide receivers as Tua gets acclimated. And then you're taking on some risk if he just stinks, uh, but I'm not going to be seeing it that way. I do think Tua is talented. So I'm going to project this as if Preston Williams is going to be looking like a rock star in year two for himself. Now, before the injury, these were his ranks for his team. He was first in targets by 11. He was first in receptions by four. He was first in yards by 28 yards. And he was an insane first in red zone targets at 24. 13 was the next closest in Devontae Parker. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I imagine, plays at least probably three or four games barring injury. If he is successful, you can get him playing half the season, depending on how long uh, they really want to run this out before putting two in. But he threw 33 and a half times per game, 235.3 yards per game, seventh in air yards. So he was chucking this ball downfield. That's going to help Preston Williams for sure. And 20 touchdowns overall. So Preston Williams being back, like I think it's just going to be a blow for Devontae Parker. He's nowhere near going to finish as a top eight receiver like he did last year. But I don't even want Devontae Parker at any point. You have natural regression coming his way. You have Preston Williams, who was the alpha on this team for half the year now stepping in and you have a potential quarterback change at some point. So at the current ADP of a guy like Devontae Parker, I want nothing to do with that. At the current ADP of Preston Williams in the 13th round compared to Parker as like the fourth round. Yeah. Give me Preston Williams all day. You can see here, David Zatch's tweet just about the fantasy points per game. And yeah, I do believe that he deserves more fantasy attention and more respect just in general. He was an undrafted free agent. 
undrafted free agent at a Colorado State playing with the Dolphins. He saw 11.6 fantasy points per game. You think about Terry McLaurin, like David says here, Terry McLaurin had 13.7 points per game, which was amazing just for a wide receiver in general, especially a rookie. Not too far off of that was Preston Williams playing with the Dolphins last season with no expectations at all. Not much to mention in terms of the Dolphins offseason additions. They really didn't draft any type of wide receiver in the draft. They took Malcolm Perry in the seventh round, who's a quarterback slash wide receiver. So no competition really there. They ended up just shoring up their offensive line outside of getting Tua on offense. No real losses outside of just some centers, but they fixed those in the draft with a couple of interior linemen. And then in the additions, just in free agency and really the draft with a trade, Matt Breida, Jordan Howard. So they ended up picking up just a lot of offensive line help, some running backs, nothing really in the wide receiver department. If anything, they cut wide receiver Andy Jones, former Detroit Lion, but that's not going to affect Preston Williams. So no competition coming in for him right now. The exact target competition will be number one, Devontae Parker, who ended up being a breakout last year with over 1,200 yards, 128 targets, and 21% of the target share. Then you saw Mike Gusecki, the tight end out of Penn State, really come on the second half of the year, correlated and potentially was even caused, really causation correlation by Preston Williams getting injured, 69.5% of the snaps. He saw 15.3% of the target share. But the big thing was the final like four games of the season, Mike Gusecki was a top six tight end in the league. So with Preston Williams coming back, he's going to take production away from both Gusecki and Parker. Outside of that, you'll have Alan Hearns in the slot. You'll have Albert Wilson rotating through the slot. Preston Williams mainly will stay on the outside. He got rarely any slot snaps last year. So I like the upside here. You're getting this guy in the 13th round that in my opinion, in my opinion, I know Devontae Parker went off last year, but I would not be shocked at the end of this season. If you saw Preston Williams, if he stays healthy as the number one wide receiver in Miami, finishing in a bunch of different totals ahead of Devontae Parker. He literally did it for the half of the season last year before his injury. Y'all need to stop messing around and put respect on Christian Kirk's name. Look, I know DeAndre Hopkins is now there. I understand DeAndre Hopkins is currently now a part of the Arizona Cardinals. I get that whole trade. But why is Christian Kirk going at the beginning of the 10th round and end of the ninth round in 12 team drafts on average? I, I don't understand it at all. Yes, I know DeAndre Hopkins is an alpha. I know he's a top five wide receiver, if not arguably the best wide receiver in the entire league. But didn't we like Will Fuller? Wasn't Will Fuller going in a bunch of best ball formats in like the sixth round last year as your wide receiver three? I don't understand why now because there's a different change and it's just expectations overall. DeAndre Hopkins is now in Arizona everybody's just about to stink. You have Larry Fitzgerald, another year older, coming back on a one-year contract. You have no tight ends on this team, as always. The pass-catching running back options and Kenyon Drake are definitely there, but more so just kind of has that own role right behind the line of scrimmage. And now Christian Kirk's a wide receiver two on a team that should be one of the highest flying offenses in the entire league, or at least on paper, it shapes up to be that way. But for some reason, he's barely cracking into the ninth round right now, an average draft position, according to four for four, an accumulation of a bunch of different sites, ADPs right now for mock drafts. Last year, he played 13 games. He played on 98.5 percent of the snaps. So 108 targets, 24.5% of the target share. Now he didn't have the best efficiency numbers overall, but it was really a volume thing. Arizona played at such a fast pace that he was able to see 8.3 targets per game. He ran 38.7 routes per game over the first five, six weeks of the season before injury. He was top two in that department with his teammate, Demir Bird. He was top four in that department with his teammates, Demir Bird and Larry Fitzgerald. These guys were just running a ton of routes. You saw a decent amount of slot usage. You saw 16.3 slot snaps per game and slot routes per game. That was 42% of his overall snaps share. He had Kyler Murray in his rookie season, attempting the ninth most passes in the league at 34 per game. He had 232 yards per game, 20 touchdowns, third in money throws, ninth in deep ball attempts with 4.4 per game. He was pretty accurate as well. So yeah, this is a situation where now Kyler Murray stepping into his second year. If anything, give me Christian Kirk again as the wide receiver two on this team. More attention to Hopkins, put Kirk in the slot for about half of his snaps or so. This looks like a lot of upside out of him if this offense does indeed do what they intend for it to do. And just be an offense that runs a ton of plays and has a lot of big plays. So really free agency was just DeAndre Hopkins for this team. And then they ended up losing David. 
Johnson. They lost Demir Bird and Farrell Cooper. So some wide receiver depth is now out of this team. And then in the NFL draft, mainly just taking Josh Jones and a late round running back, Eno Benjamin. So nobody is going to be there to push Christian Kirk. It's going to be number one, tier of his own, DeAndre Hopkins. Number two, tier of his own, Christian Kirk. And number three, it'll be some mixture of Andy Isabella, some of the rookies from last year that are coming back from injury. And then Larry Fitzgerald. Durability is going to be somewhat of an issue. In 2018, he missed four games with a fractured foot. He had five total weeks on the injury report. And then last year, 2019, he missed three games with a high ankle sprain, five total weeks on the injury report there as well. The target competition is mainly going to come from DeAndre Hopkins, honestly. And that's a huge, huge, huge cliff after Christian Kirk of Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, Andy Isabella. DeAndre Hopkins was the number one receiver last year in route participation. The amount of times he ran a route on his team's dropbacks and quarterback dropbacks, he was fifth in targets with 10 per game, second in receptions with 6.9 per game, and fourth in fantasy points per game at 17.8. We know DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute alpha stud. Fitzgerald last year played 84% of the snaps. He saw 109 targets, 20.6% of the shares, only scored four touchdowns, and Fitzgerald became very ineffective and inefficient once Christian Kirk got hurt, and Fitzgerald was like the number one receiver on this team with the mere bird. So I actually think it's a benefit that DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk are going to be ahead of Larry Fitzgerald, because I think Larry Fitzgerald needs to operate now in his old age as that third wide receiver, maybe a decent red zone role as well. After that, you get Kenyon Drake, you get Andy Isabella. Kenyon Drake was catching about 3.6 balls per game last year, five targets per game, and that increased when he was actually traded to Arizona. Yeah, it's an interesting situation where I think a lot of people just see a huge name receiver come into an offense and they're automatically shot down. This does remind me very, very similarly to when Odell went to the Browns. Everybody was hyped up. It's going to absolutely ruin Jarvis Landry. And then what happens? Okay, it's not the exact same thing because Odell was dealing with an injury. And I actually think Hopkins is much better than Odell. But you see a spot where Odell has a decent year, breaks a thousand yards, barely really a stinker year for him. And then Jarvis Landry goes absolutely off. I'm not saying that that's going to happen this year and Kirk's going to be the number one receiver on this team. I'm just saying just because DeAndre Hopkins is there, it doesn't mean Christian Kirk automatically becomes a 10th round fantasy pick option. Like if Christian Kirk is your wide receiver three and you're taking him in the eighth round of drafts, I personally think that that's even a steal. So I'll give you two honorable mentions real quickly. Darius Slayton from the New York Giants, a lot of mouths to feed out there, but he showed a lot of upside on the outside. They also have a lot of mounts, but a lot of them are going to be coming out of the slot. Evan Ingram, tight end who plays out of the slot. Golden Tate, primarily a slot receiver. And Sterling Shepard, who will be forced to the outside this year because of Golden Tate in the slot. But he's also going to play a lot of slot as well. So the true number one outside receiver in that department, the X, is likely Darius Slayton. And then number two, Alan Lazard of the Packers. After Devontae Adams, it's Jay Sternberger, a second year tight end who did not have that much experience last year just because of injury. And then it's Alan Lazard, who was the only wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams last year to just get any sort of separation on this Packers team in terms of just being there for Aaron Rodgers. So that's where I'm at right now. Please do. If you watch all the way through, hit the subscribe button. Take a couple seconds of your time. Hit that big old subscribe button. Really does help me out. Hit the notification bell. Get active with the question of the day down below. I'll pop it up right now. And also check out the free discord, the free rookie rankings, all that stuff. This was probably my favorite video to do so far because I think there's a ton of value in these guys. There's even more guys out there. I have my rankings. They'll be out shortly so you can keep up with all of that. Thank you so much for tuning into this video, guys. My name is Sal Vetri. Hope you enjoy this stuff. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And I will see you all in the next one.